0: And visit Bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator.
2: Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, November sixteenth. 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety, shortly thereafter, on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network, which is, I mean, I'm being a little bit biased. The MMA Fighting Podcasting Network has been electric, to say the least, after the ranking show that just exploded in format, I would have to say. It was uh, a lot of Boston Mike. It was full proof of why I host these shows and I'm not really allowed to be a panelist on these shows because I'm a stubborn prick and the Boston Mike comes out. And even when I'm wrong, I'll never admit it on shows like that. But it was a fun listen. If you guys want to go back and check it out, go check out the ranking show. The first like 50 minutes, it's a courtroom setting, the honorable Judge Alexander Kaylee Lee was presiding. I thought he was my best friend. Turns out I was set up from, from, the, from the get-go. And we were arguing whether or not John Jones or Tommy Aspinall was the number one heavyweight in the world. And it was a heated discussion. So go check that out on the podcasting network. But we're here to talk about other things. It is Thursday. It is a very busy day. We have a lot going on here at MA Fighting. We have this show. We have BTL at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Jed Mishu returns. He will be joined by a very special guest, maybe the man who had the most vicious finish of the entire weekend in combat sports, former UFC fighter, current game-bred bare-knuckle fighter, Randy Costa, fresh off his teeth-shattering win over Jason Knight. He will join us to recap that and, and talk about the big news. Going on in the world of mixed martial arts. So that should be a lot of fun. We'll be recording a brand new Damn They Were Good a little bit later on today. I think you guys are going to dig it. And there's just a whole bunch going on. So we're also on the eve of Bellator 301, which may be the final Bellator event. Who the hell knows? It, it's probably going to be the final Bellator event, at least under this current ownership. And. Boy, it's hard to get people to care when the promotion doesn't even really care, huh? It's kind of a tough hang, and it sucks because the card is by far the best of the weekend. Like, it's way better than the UFC's card. We have the fight of the weekend for sure with Patchy Mix and Sergio Pettis for the undisputed Bantamweight title. Yaroslav Amosov versus Jason Jackson will be an interesting battle, and the card's just really, really good. But it's just Bellator's just kind of going out with a whimper. And it's tough. But then we get the UFC on Saturday and that card is not very good. Uh, the main events pretty, should be pretty fun between Brennan Allen and Paul Craig, but the rest of the card outside of like two or three fights, not great. But the good news is it's a 2 PM Eastern start time. And that always bumps things up at least like a half a point, if not a full point. So uh, we can talk about that. We can still talk about the hangover UFC 295. The big news in the sport. We could do it all. And we're gonna kick things off. Let's go to you all. Uh let's go to holding hands and throwing fists. Love that name. How are you? Uh you're muted. You just gotta unmute yourself. Hey, sorry about that, Mike. All good. How are you? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for having me on the show. Uh, my wife and I are huge fans, uh, and this is a truly an honor.
3: So thanks a lot, Mike. Hope you're having a heck of a morning. Yes, Um, you too. Just a quick question. Uh, just for fun. Who do you think is the best dressed person in
2: MMA right now? The best dressed person in MMA? Yeah. Oh man. it's a great question. I gotta tell you, uh, I thought Alex Pereira looked like a couple of Billy on Saturday when he walked in he had the the suit but he had the black non-collared shirt he had the chains going he looked tremendous and Yuri looked tremendous too with the sort of samurai gear it's hard to it's hard to go against Connor cuz i think he kind of set the table for all of it Connor's suits are probably half of my salary each and yeah, but I was impressed with uh, with Yuri and Alex, but it's probably got to be Connor. I would I, I feel pretty good about that. Do you have anything else holding hands? Delusia. I think I. yeah, it's a good question though. There's a lot of uh, a lot of options, but I'd say Connor is probably the correct answer. Let's go to Tristan Tristan. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me?
4: Yes. Hey, um, I wanted to talk about uh, Benoit Saint Denis. Um, his performance was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we talked about him early. I uh, know. I think you weren't really sold on him yet. You had to see more. But well, I, I just felt like, oh, this guy was going to be really, really good. Um, heard him with Ariel. I think yesterday. Um, spoke Speak about you know his uh. His past and um, you know being in the military and things of that nature and then I um, talked about a little bit about his future about being a BMF. That's why he wanted Justin Gaethje. Um, I'm, with with Benoit Saint Denis, he's got to be probably I, I got four pillars right now that up in, in the coming years, these guys are going to fight each other. Now that's Matus Gamrot, Benoit Saint Denis, Armin Sarukian. And then uh, Rafael Faziz, those four. Now, I still, and then I also think Matus Trambeski, next year, probably the end of 2024, he'll find his way up in the top 15. It's just the problem is he's got to get better fighters. He's got, uh, I know if you expressed that, that the three fights that he had, you no, know, you know, wasn't really, you know, these were guys that are not really good. So next year, I, I expect him to start getting probably from the, 15 to 20 range of fighters those rankings maybe a tiago moises maybe a drew dober someone that has uh hard fights i on i know i felt like he should fight uh, ludovic klein i think that's a good matchup so i think he's gonna be in a mix but for now it's gonna be those four pillars do you, do, you, do you think those are the guys that are up and coming that we're gonna be talking about in the coming years maybe fighting for titles at some point So, uh, you know, just your thoughts on that. Your thoughts on Benoit Sintonese from where he was to where he is now. And that's all I got, Mike. Thanks.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, The Elijah Zaleski loss did not give me a lot of hope. I understand it was short notice. I understand he was up a weight class. I saw the durability, and that's a cheat code in a lot of respects. And then he beat Nicholas Dolce, finished him. Treated Gabriel Miranda accordingly. Finished him in just over five minutes. I was a little more sold on the Bonfim fight, but not completely there because I I thought Bonfim just had a terrible game plan and it kind of led to the sort of fight that doesn't let Ben he did end up winning, but it was a hard-fought fight. But it was after the Tiago Moises fight, that was it. I was like, all right, this dude is legit because he beat the hell out of Tiago Moises. And a lot of people don't give Tiago Moises the respect that he deserves because he's a really good fighter, very solid, super defensively sound fighter. But not that night. Benoit just beat the hell out of that dude. And that was just a that was just a thrashing. And from that point on, I was like, all right, let's go. And then maybe my favorite Otno point of all time was like, turn him around in two months and have him fight Matt Favol at MSG. That's the one. And he just beat beat up Matt Favola. That head kick was nasty. That's going to be one of the knockout of the year. I think it's probably one of the 10 best knockouts of the year. And dude's real good. Dude's real good. Here's the problem, though, with Benoit Santini and some of the other names you mentioned. Uh, you did mention Gamrot, and he got a big fight. Fazeev got a big fight. Sarukian's about to get a big fight. But it took all of them a very, very long time to get those fights. So... I don't know. Jalen Turner's still kind of hanging around. I don't know if he's going to be a lightweight. I don't know if he's going to be a bantamweight, or not a bantamweight, a welterweight. You got Boycano, who we haven't really seen him. It's been a minute since he's fought. Elvis Brenner's looked real good. I mean, there's a, a lot of guys at 55. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot. Jakar Close has been good, but he hasn't fought in a while. Sadakov's fun. I mean, there's just... Lightweight's the best division in the sport. It just, it just is the best division in the sport. So, yeah. I don't, it's going to be tough. I would say i put Brenner probably in that discussion as well. I really liked what he has done. Rebecki, I think he's going to have a little bit more of a slower role just because, like you said, he just hasn't had it's not his fault. He just hasn't had the right names yet. Hopefully, he gets somebody else. Give him a little bit of a step up. But, yeah, I I, I just hope Santini can get some fights, man. Like, I just hope he can get fights. And I think the timing of this win was was perfect. Because you got Bobby Green and Dan Hooker getting ready to fight. And both of those guys would probably say yes to Benoit Santini. So, that's why I went that route. I know a lot of people went with Hanato Moikano. I just feel like Santini is ahead of him right now and I think he's like a good chunk ahead of him right now. It'd be a good fight, but I'd like to see Moikano get another win first before we start talking about that fight. But yeah, dude, Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, sign me the hell up for that. They do, Jalen Turner, sign me up for that as well. But yeah, Santini is that dude's the real deal. He's gonna be a problem he's probably gonna fight for a belt cole go ahead good morning mike
5: appreciate you having me on i see ak is in the chat so i'm gonna bring up something that you two disagreed with i think on friday you said that Stepe miocic would pass the grocery store test more than Derek lewis or even if you frame Derek lewis as the my balls is high guy which i think is absolutely insane i think lewis today would pass a grocery store test way bet way easier than Miochich. You know, so I'm on AK's team with this one.
2: That's fine. Um, I don't think you're right, though. <laughs> I don't think you're right. I don't know. They're probably the same, honestly. They're probably the same. Stipe's been in some big fights, man. He's had some big moments. That rivalry with DC was a big one. It was a big rivalry. His first fight with Francis Ganu was a massive fight. It was huge. And then he fought him again. And look, look we love Derek Lewis as hardcore fans. I don't think he passes the casual test as much as you think he does. He had the balls as hot moment, but I, I don't know. I don't know. But look, we're heated. I said some things. I think Stipe is a bigger name. I do. doesn't mean we like him more. doesn't mean he's more popular. Like overall, like we would root for Stipe over Derek Lewis if they fought each other. I think Derek Lewis would get the uh, the better reaction. But who knows? I could probably go to the grocery store and nobody will know who either guy is. Like that's very possible as well. I think Bay's story, he's been around a little bit longer. He's been in much bigger fights. He's been in bigger spots. Like I said, the build to that first Ngannou fight was gigantic. It was huge. He's had problems with Dana White. That doesn't hurt that conversation either. He's, the, he's one of the few guys who took the belt out of Dana White's hands and said, no, sir, you will not put the belt around my waist. I'm going to have my coach do it. And he did. And then he fought DC in big, huge fights. Three of them. So, I don't know. I think you guys, maybe I'm overrating Sipe a little bit in this conversation, but I think you guys are vastly overrating Derek Lewis in this conversation. Derek's our guy. He's our Manny Ramirez. He's our Manny. Ah, Derek. Like, even with the whole reckless driving thing, like, a lot of people were asking me, like, well, how come you guys are giving Israel Adesanya so much shit? But Derek Lewis drives 136 miles an hour in a 55, but you guys aren't giving him as much shit as you're giving Israel Adesanya. Why is there this whole thing It's like, well, it's Derek Lewis, haha. Ha. And it made me think a little bit. Derek is – it's Derek being Derek. It's, that's just the mentality people have about him. And I think I think it's kind of, like those two situations are kind of apples and oranges too. Like the whole thing with Izzy happened before, like a month before the fight. There's a lot going on. It causes a question. Like the rest of the build to the fight, was he out drinking all, every day before he fought Sean Strickland? Was he turning it up a little bit more because he didn't take Sean seriously? Like those are legit questions. Derek Lewis cruising around in a Lambo, still dangerous as fuck. But at the same time, like I don't think Derek Lewis driving 136 miles an hour in a 55 zone affected the way he fought against Jelton Almeida. I think that fight goes the same way every time. So those are like two different things. But I do understand why people are like, oh, why, why aren't you giving Derek the same heat as you're giving Izzy? Um. So, I do understand it from that aspect. But yeah, I think we're probably, if we're being fair, probably vastly overrating both guys in that discussion. Uh, let's go to Tok. Hello, Tok. Uh,
3: I have a few things. Firstly, I just want to say um, I think that at, unless there's a card in a, a UFC card in Denmark at some point, I have a hard time seeing Marco Madsen coming back from that. The reason I didn't back him before the fight was also, I just didn't believe. I mean, I didn't pull the Dolby thing out of my ass. So why would I try to pull uh, out of my ass that I believed in Marco Madsen winning? I mean, I I just didn't believe that he had what it takes. Um, So that was why I wasn't on him. And uh, I was right. So uh, that's one thing. And the other thing I just wanted to say, uh, oh yeah, two things, sorry. I'm going to keep it brief. Uh, do you think world champion Jake Matthews is going to show up uh, or is it just, uh, was it only against Andre Fiallo that guy existed? And thirdly, this uh, Riyadh season card that they announced for December 23rd, um, I can see why they wanted uh, to have Fury Usyk on that card because the rest of the card is just squash, ma- squash matches. It looks so weird seeing Joshua and Wilder on the same card, but they're not fighting each other. They're just in fights that are meant to give them a win. Daniel Dubois as well. Like it's, it's such a weird card. Uh, and I just wanted your thoughts on that as well. See ya. Yeah,
2: dude. It is a weird card. Like I don't I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I don't know what kind of appeal is there. Like I just don't don't understand it. Don't get that card whatsoever. So, but that's sort of where we're at right now with the whole boxing world and them wanting to put on these big cards with big names, even though this card is probably not that big. Now, did they have other plans in place? Yes, we mentioned Fury Usyk. Was Francis Ngannou possibly a guy that could have competed in December? Maybe they tried, but perhaps that was too soon for him as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Super weird. Super weird. Uh will world champion Jake Matthews show up? Probably not. Uh Michael Morales is really, really good. And I feel like we had our peak Jake Matthews. And I mean, Jake's tough. Like I like the matchmaking here. And if Michael Morales just goes out and runs Jake Matthews, like that's a pretty good win. Like it's a pretty good win for a, a 24-year-old kid on the come-up. So I do like the matchmaking here, but I am picking Michael Morales. The Mark Madsen thing. <sighs> I mean, we were talking about this after the Grant Dawson loss. Like, he probably should have just been like, hey, UFC, uh, let me go. I'll go fight for the PFL and try to win that million bucks because he ain't ever getting to a title. I think we felt that way after the Dawson win. He's just not going to beat the upper echelon guys. And Jared Gordon was a pretty, I think he was like a minus 195 favorite heading into the fight. And I just don't think, the way you beat Jared Gordon is you finish him. And I don't think Mark... Boy, he tried, but you could just see it. Once Jared survived that that storm early, like Mark was just done. Like he just completely gassed himself out, and Gordon knocked him out. So, yeah, I felt pretty good about Gordon. All he had to do was not get finished in the first seven minutes, and he was going to win that fight. And he didn't even need that. So, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do. He's at a crossroads. So he can go to Bellator. So, yeah, his options are not a plenty, if you will. But good win for Jared Gordon's Good moment for him, and well done, Flash. The
0: Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov.
4: Hello, Mike. Good morning. Uh, I would like to thank you uh, to you because of the show that you put on yesterday, especially the you know, MMA fighting, uh, global ranking, and you know with the AK being the judge. That was some great content. Uh, thank you very much for that. And uh, my question to you is that why don't anyone why, why can't I see anyone clamoring for a rematch between Poatan and
2: uh, Yuri? Uh that's a good question. I. I... Look, I don't want to see them running right back. I really, I don't. I don't. I know people question the stoppage. I don't understand why, if we're being honest. The stoppage was fine. Like the aesthetics of it were not good. He cracked Yuri. Yuri was in trouble. Yuri shot the takedown. He had his arms locked. Pereira's landing those shots. His arms went limp, and then he just kind of collapsed to the floor and Pereira ended up in mount. And it just would have gotten worse for Yuri. So I don't have a problem with the stoppage. Was it maybe a tad early for a main event? Yeah, I guess. But I didn't have any issue with it at all. Having said that, do I think we're going to see these guys fight again? Yes, I do. Do I think we're going to see these guys fight a third time? Yes, I do. I have a feeling that the Alex Pereira, Yuri Prohashka story has more chapters to be written. It's just not going to happen now. It's just not going to happen next. It's going to be real interesting to see. Now, could that be... Is that an option for Pereira? Because the fight we all want to see is him and Jamal Hill. I want to see that fight. That's one of my most anticipated, anticipated fights of the year. But you can't bench Alex Pereira for another eight months. You can't do it. He's got a fight. He's got so much momentum right now. He just made history... He's broken the sport and people love him. Like I talked to people who are at MSG, they freaking love Alex Pereira. He was getting the biggest pops of the whole night. And he's from Danbury, Connecticut. He's not from New York City. But he's getting the big pops of the night. People love Alex Pereira. So they gotta, they gotta fight him. They gotta put him out there. I thought the easy call-out was absolutely brilliant. I saw some people like I saw Daniel Cormier be like, nah nah. You're kind of going backwards. I don't think so at all. He's not going to wait eight months to fight. Why would he? He has the chance to possibly headline UFC 300 with Izzy Adesanya. That if they don't book Connor versus Chandler, Pereira Adesanya the third fight for the 205 pound belt is a massive fight. That's huge. I thought the call it was brilliant. Do I? Am I confident that fight happens? I'm not really sure. I'm kind of stunned Izzy isn't all over this. I get the whole I'm taking time off and maybe he's taking it very seriously. And if that's the case, like I don't care what the opportunity is and I'm just going to wait because I want to take this time for myself. Kudos to him. He deserves a ton of credit for that. But at the same time, he's getting up there in age, not a young man. And you have to think he doesn't have a ton of fights left in him. And unless he just leaves middleweight to bulk up and becomes a light heavyweight, I don't think he's going to get another shot at the light heavyweight title. I think this is like his only chance to get it, and it's a huge fight. So I could see that the other option, and you guys aren't going to like it very much, because I don't think he's going to fight. I know Ankle and Johnny Walker are fighting in January. I don't think the winner of that, maybe if Johnny wins, maybe they do Pereira or Johnny Walker. I don't think they're going to do Pereira versus Zankoliyev. I just don't see it happening. We are possibly living in a world where we get Alex Pereira versus Anthony Smith for the 205-pound title. And I know you're all rolling your eyes, and I get it. But there's a, there's some beef there. There's some headlines there. Anthony Smith talking a lot of trash. Pereira talking back. And we got to keep this guy busy. It's a rivalry fight. Why not? Smith's at least coming off of a win. So you could do that, but you gotta keep him busy. Pereira's on the cusp of being a superstar right now. You can't bench him. And if you throw him in there with Anthony Smith and he just runs Anthony, you can still do the Jamal Jamal Hill fight, and that's fine. I see your thumbs down, C V, but this is the UFC. You would how would you be totally shocked if the UFC booked that fight? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked at all because you can't bench him. You can't bench him. And I just don't know if Angolaev's the guy. Could they do Johnny Walker Shore if he beats Ankalaev? But I don't think he's going to beat Angolaev, So, And I just don't know if they're going to go right to Pereira versus live.
6: We'll see. Ahead, four I'm four. actually okay with that booking. Um, I imagine if that fight was actually to be made, I could see Pereira as the... You know, minus like 350 favorite, just because I was just thinking about it as you were talking about it. Anthony Smith didn't look that great against Ryan Span, But um, I wanted to actually talk about uh, Bellator. I'm actually very intrigued. You are right. It is the best card of the weekend. The fight that I'm looking forward to the most is Apache uh, Mix versus Sergio Pettis. I know Sergio has been the underdog in his last couple of fights, and he has been able to come through. Something is telling me that this is Apache Mix' moment. Um, The way that he ended up knocking out Rafion Stotts, and Rafion Stotts is fighting Danny Sabatello, which is another good fight too. Um, How do you see that fight playing out between Pettis and and Mix? And do you favor Sabatello um, versus Stotts now that it's a um, three-round fight as opposed to their fight last time, which was five rounds? And uh, lastly, I don't know if you've seen the the line for – Jordan Lovett versus uh Chase Hooper I think it's pretty uh, outrageous that they have Chase Hooper that big of a favorite I don't know if if I'm uh, putting any money down I'm putting it on Jordan Lovett all right Mike uh, let me know what you think
2: uh thanks man yeah I'm looking at it right now I mean the lines closed a little bit Chase Hooper's a minus 218 favorite to comeback on Jordan Lovett plus 180. I think it was like up to like 285 or something for Chase which is kind of (sighs) crazy. I mean, I understand why Chase is the favorite. I mean, these are two grapple-heavy guys. Chase is bigger. Chase, while not the most aesthetically pleasing striker of all time, he's a better striker than Jordan Levitt is. So I get why he's the favorite. But there is value on Jordan Levitt. I totally understand that. So, yeah, I thought that line was kind of wild. And I know Jordan thought that line was kind of wild as well. But... Yeah, I think it's starting to close in. I think by the time they fight, I wouldn't be shocked if Chase Hooper is like a minus 195 or something like that. I just I think Chase is just a little more well-rounded. Like the, the grappling exchange between these two guys are going to be super fun. Chase is bigger. I think he's a, a bit more athletic than Jordan is, not by much, and I do think he is a bit, he is the better striker here. But not by a whole lot. It's not like he's fighting Benoit Santini in there. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting fight. I understand why there's value on Jordan. I understand why there's a bunch of money coming in on him. So, that'll be an interesting fight. What's the odds on the... Patchy mix, Almost pretty much a minus 200 against Sergio Pettis. Um, it's a great fight. It's the best fight of the weekend. It might even be the best fight of the month and that includes the two title fights at UFC 295. It's just a great fight. Like after Sergio's win over Patricio Pitbull, I was like, "Damn, I can't wait to see him and Patchy mix fight." And Patchy has just been on fire. There've been a lot of questions about Patchy. There are a lot of questions about Patchy heading in. The Juan Archuleta fight, sort of faded down the stretch, we had questions. Then he beats Albert Morales, Kind of struggled a little bit in that fight. And then he fought James Gallagher. It was a big rivalry fight. Misses weight. Ends up getting the finish in the third round. Fight was probably even after two. And then he kind of got it together. The Kyoji Horiguchi win was super dominant. But the Magomed Magomedov win, that was the one where I was like wow, this dude might be the best bantamweight in the world. And then the Rafián Stotts knee, I was like, geez, Luis, this guy's a problem. But Sergio's just a guy that everyone continues to count out, and he continues to deliver great performances. So I cannot wait for that fight. I really can't. It's a big spot for both guys, especially with the future of the promotion completely up in the air right now. Like, is this PFL deal going to go through? What happens if it does? Can they go to free agency? Would the UFC want Pettis back? I assume they would want Mix. Just a good card, man. Like, we got Amosov. It's 27-0. and 0. Jason Jackson has earned his shot. Stott Sabatello, kind of a weird rematch, but I get it. I kind of feel like Stotts is going to win, but who the hell knows. McKee fighting City Outlaws should be a good little fight for for AJ. And then we got patricky Pitbull versus Alexander Shabli, which I think Shabli should just kind of go in there and run patricky In a Grand Prix fight, that may not even matter at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate. This is such a good card, and nobody cares. Like The promotion doesn't care. I'll be watching. I'll be excited for it, but... I mean, it's just Bellator just going out with a whimper right now, and it's sad. Sad stuff. Uh, Let's continue on here. Octagon blog, go ahead. Good.
7: Um, Bjorn Rabney and Scott Coker. We all remember the old days with Bjorn Rabney. Uh, Bellator had a well, it looked different to the UFC, and since Scott Coker took over, it become a little bit. Some friend of mine call it UFC light. I think that's the problem. I, I like I like to hear your take because Bellator, their numbers are going down. And they will never go up. I think he, if a new owner can be PFL, that can also be a party of the Middle East, like Qatar or Saudi Arabia, whatever. He has to go. He has to go for the sunset because. He's he's responsible for all of this. It's his leadership, but I want to hear he, your take openly and honestly. You know, if you look at Bjorn his era and his era, Bellator become a second rank company. Thank you and good luck, Mike.
2: Thank you, sir. Um I mean the Rapney era was certainly interesting because it was a different product. It was a lot of tournaments and different things. We got some really good fights. We got the whole Eddie Alvarez, Michael Chandler rivalry, two of the best fights you will ever watch. And, you know, some other interesting things that happened along the way. And then things kind of got a little circusy and it kind of continued that way. Once Coker jumped on board as well. I don't know. Plus, plus the reputation of Bjorn Rebney was not great. And he just kind of faded into non existence until there was potential like UFC fighter unions and he just magically he just magically reemerged and then he disappeared again <laughs> after nothing happened. So yeah, Bjorn Rebney is a super weird dude and there's gonna be a doc on his run someday and I hope to watch it because it's gonna be super interesting. I've been very tough on Bellator over the last few years because they have something. They're the number two promotion to me, not because, wow, you can't miss a Bellator card, but it's because of the roster. Like, they have put together a really good roster. And when Scott, Scott Coker says, hey, we might have the best featherweight and the best lightweight and the best bantamweight and the best light heavyweight in the world or even the best middleweight in the world, like, it's not egregious. It's not egregious. Like if Don Davis says it, and he probably has, like we're like, Don, shut up, dude. Like, then you know that's not true. Like you just know that's not true. But Bellator has like a super good roster. The problem is the promotion just stopped caring. They just assume that everyone knows there's a Bellator card when that's not the case. And then you have your broadcasters like calling out the media for not like for not promoting their stuff enough. Like which is insane to me because we covered like every single card, we talked about everything, and just the way like they handled things across the board was just super weird over the last couple of years. And then we have cards like this that is like super good. Like this is better than Bellator 300 by a lot. But yet no one knows about it. I barely knew about Bellator three hundred, barely knew about this one until like Monday. I was like, "Oh yeah, Bellator's three hundred one card is here." Coker is a great Coker's a great dude, and he's got great relationships with the fighters, so he is a valuable tool to all of this. But Coker's not Dana White. He's not Don Davis. He's not a guy that's going to go into the forefront and sell you on fights. And there's just I don't know, man. There's just this sort of mentality that, like, hey, we're already number two. We don't need to fight for it. And I talked to people from Bellator, like, we did our um every year we do our sort of state our grievances when it cut to each promotion on an episode of BTL. It's like Jed and I, we do like we basically do our airing of grievances about each promotion. We give them a grade and we talk about like what they did well and what they didn't do well. I think we gave Bellator. I gave Bellator C minus and Bellator was not happy with me. They were not happy. And I made the point. I was like, look, you could make a case that PFL is number two right now. Like you can make that case. And if they're not number two, they're right there. And they had a problem with that too. They're like, you're insane for saying that. I'm like, how am I insane? They have all, heading into 2024 or 2023, who had more momentum, Bellator or PFL? It was PFL by a lot, and it wasn't even close. PFL had a great pay-per-view event. It didn't do well business-wise, but the card was really good. Kayla Harrison lost. Larissa Pacheco got a big win. Watching Olivia Aubin-Mercier become like, almost the flag bearer for 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 PFL in some respects. Like, it was a really good event for them. So they had a lot of momentum. Free agent signings, we knew they were in on the Francis deal, like on ESPN, like they just had a lot of momentum. And Bellator, while putting on good cards and such, they just didn't have it. They just didn't have that momentum. And it was just a tough year for them. And it stinks. <laughs> and now like there's one less place for these, for these free agents to go and try to get a deal. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's just, it's tough, man. It's tough. I'd love to like sing glowingly about Bellator and how they've run that promotion the last three years. Uh, but I really can't. I love the people who work there. The PR staff is incredible. They're great. Everybody who works there is great. They have the best roster outside of the UFC. There's no argument there. One's got a decent one, but one, like I've said a million times, you can't compare one to the UFC. Bellator trying to do the Grand Prix, which I dug. So at least they try to be different. But again, like you said, UFC light was kind of how they, kind of how they looked in a lot of people's eyes. And then like some of the cards were just like, The main events are – like Daniel James Marcelo Golm was a main event this year for Bellator. And it's not like – it's not like they're the UFC and they were putting on cards every Saturday. It's like every couple of months. We got Daniel James, Marcelo Golm as a main event? Like what are we doing here? What are we doing here? But this is going to be a fascinating story to cover. I mean they built it up enough that once – if this PFL deal goes through and it seems like it probably will at this point, but it's not hundred percent done. Uh, Like I'm super intrigued, super intrigued. Who's going to stick around? Who's going to go to the UFC? Who will the UFC want? Will they want any of their champions? Do they feel like Johnny Evelyn can be a star for them or would they let him go? Would they sign AJ McKee? I kind of feel like they would kind of feel like he's a no-brainer. Would they bring in Patchy Mix? Would they bring in Vadim Nemkov? I'd like to see them bring in Kyoji Horiguchi. Then we can see him fight some of these 125ers in the UFC. It's going to be super interesting, but yeah. Just kind of seeing Bellator just... Brick by brick, just crumble over the last couple of years. It's been tough to watch because I always rooted for them. And yeah, I I was always hard on them. I always felt like the dad in some respects. Like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. But I don't know. Hopefully this card's great. They get a little bit of buzz coming out. And we'll see if this Piappville deal goes through. And they're going to be one of the, at least the roster here, is going to be one of the more intriguing stories of the year. But we shall see. But the Coker era had its moments, but not spectacular.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov.
8: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N
9: 29.com. Matt, go ahead. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Mr. A.K. Lee for for this idea that sprouted uh, while I was listening to on to the next one. He was talking, uh, and, and this is in relation to Patty Pimlet's next fight if he wins against Tony. He was talking about Gregor Gillespie coming off of the couch. And I think that that is the perfect setup for Patty. It's going to be, um, you know, top 15 fighter. He's been inactive. He's coming off of the couch. And I honestly think that that might be where he tries to go. If he gets a win against Patty, that is all that I had to say.
2: Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, that'd be pretty damn cool. That'd be pretty damn cool. I don't know if Gregor takes that fight. Let me just look at the rankings real quick. Did they yank him from the rankings? Yeah, they ranked him. They they yanked him from him. Would he take that fight? I don't know. Be kind of crazy not to. That's if he beats Tony Ferguson, by the way. If that fight happens. Yeah, he's certainly not going to come off the couch and fight Benoit Santani. Patty's probably would be the most winnable fight that he could get. Would Patty be ranked if he beats Tony, though? Like, Tony's not ranked right now. Unless they're like saving RDA to pull him from the rankings until this fight ends or something. I don't know. But Drew Dober's number 15. Would you rank Patty over Drew Dober if he beats Tony Ferguson? Would you rank him over Hanato Moicano, Bobby Green? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, look, if you're Greg Gillespie, that's probably the best and most winnable fight you can get after not competing for a hot minute, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not against it. I'm not against it. Be a good idea, but will it happen? It's a whole different question altogether. He didn't want to fight Sarukian.
9: Uh as well. Good morning. Just want to uh, ask two things. Firstly, with uh, this Saturday's fight, I- I'm just curious to know your thoughts on Brandon Allen um, compared to some of the other prospects like Bronicki, Ikram. Uh, Dricus and Hamza, do you see um Brandon Allen the same um type of picture as in the sense that he's definitely got the potential to be a future contender or title challenger, you know? Because um in my opinion, I I definitely see um flashes of it. I definitely would say he's a quieter, talented fighter, but I'm just not sure where to bubble him right now because um a part of me feels like he could be like. Costa when he first came out and you know everyone was saying he was like really the next big thing around the time Alisani was rising. But then he could be, you know, maybe he could be one of those slow starters, you know. Um like uh master was. Obviously not in the same sense as a journeyman, but just someone who, you know, I guess has to win some fights, really build his brand up. Because he's just been like Amon Saruki and he's taking a lot of lower rank fights or just easy fights, and whenever he tries to get a big event fight, just never seems to happen for some reason. So, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. And and the second thing I just wanted to ask, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of the question. Um, yeah, I just want to touch on briefly, um, in respect to John Jones' career outside of the Gustafson fight, the Race fight and uh, Tiago fight. Which fight do you think gave him the most toughest fight in terms of um overall being able to impose their will, uh, really match with his energy in terms of their skill set and really push it to the limit? Thanks, man. That's all I have. Have a great day.
2: It's definitely Gustafson. Um, although I don't want to take anything away from Reyes and Santos. I've I've gone back and watched all of those fights over the last few months. Uh, I definitely felt John beat Gustafson in the end. I actually feel like, I don't know. I think like John Anna continues to tell me like when I talk to him, like on and off the air that he feels like the Tiago Santos fight, there's more of a robbery discussion to be had in that fight more than the Dominic Reyes fight. Like, and he's felt that way for a while. And going back and rewatching those fights, I think he's not. He may not be wrong. He may not be wrong. They're both really close. I actually, I thought Reyes beat him watching it live. I thought Reyes beat him again. But if like going back and rewatching it, like I could see how John won. I could see it. The Santos fight was a lot tougher to score. Honestly, it really was. So. But Gustafson's the, like, one dude who really brought it to John. Just really brought it to him. And that's just one, I mean, it's just one of the all-time great fights, too. Like, that'll be a Hall of Fame fight, and I think it is a Hall of Fame fight. But that's just, I mean, that's just one, of, it's it's an all-timer. It's an all-timer. Love that one. Uh, the other question, Brendan Allen. I, I, I've always, I've been high on Brendan Allen for a long time. I've been high on Brennan Allen for for quite some time. Dude's good. He's a good fighter. Always had the skill set. Always trained with good guys. I was high on him before the Aaron Jeffrey fight. I remember watching him fight Fluffy Hernandez. Lost a tough decision. I remember him losing to Eric Anders in 2017. Got some good wins along the way, like Sydney Wheeler. Like at the time in 2016, him going out there and just kind of running Sydney Wheeler and submitting him in the second round, like that was a that was a big win for him. That was one that kind of got those who fought like the regional scene and LFA and you know that part of the country. Uh, beating Sydney Wheeler was a really good win. A lot of people were very high on Sydney Wheeler at the time, and Brennan Allen went out there and, and finished him, and he gets another finish. Loses the Anders fight. Gets a finish. Loses the fluffy fight. And then goes on a nice run. Larry Crow, Tim Hiley. Moses Marietta. Like, these are all good wins. Goes on the contender series. That Aaron Jeffrey win is aged pretty well. Gets his contract. Fights Kevin Holland in his first UFC fight. Wins that. Beats Tom Breeze. Beats Kyle Docus And then loses to Sean Strickland. And I don't think he really got over that loss. I think it's, it's. I don't know if he's, he still might not be over that loss. Comes back, gets Carl Roberson. I mean, that is what it is. Uh, the Dacus fight was actually a really tough fight for him too. Beats Puna Soriano. And then he gets Chris Curtis, who is the teammate of Sean Strickland. And there's a lot of talk about like, oh, I want to get that one back. And Chris Curtis goes and finishes him. And I think from that point, it was just like, I'm not really over the Strickland loss. I'm going to keep calling for it, but I think I have to like at least move myself past it. Get Sam Alvey, which is, you know, it's Sam Alvey. Jacob Malkoon, tough fight, good win, and now he's he goes out and finishes the middleweighty, middleweight champion. Then he finishes Andre and then he finishes Bruno Silva. Like he's getting good fights. I kind of like the progression right now. I kind of like it. Paul Craig's a nice next step. The thing with Brennan is, people understand he's a good fighter. He's getting more well rounded. I think him moving to Killcliffe was a brilliant move on his part because you could see his striking's getting a lot better. He's better on the feet, more defensively savvy. I mean, he's night and day between like the Bruno Silva fight and the Kyle Dawkins fight. I mean, it's just night and day, even the Chris Curtis fight. But Brennan's, especially with where this division is right now, Brennan's got to keep winning. He can't lose. If he wants to get to a title shot, like, I know he's not the oldest guy in the world. How old is Brennan now? Is he 29, 28, 27? Still relatively young. He's about to be 28. But Brennan's not, like, a big star. There's not a lot of, like, star appeal to him. So he's just got to kind of keep winning at this point and just build his way up. And I kind of feel like when he loses another fight, like it's going to set him way back. It's got to set him way back. So I think he beats Paul Craig. I think he's the better striker. The grappling will be super fun between these two guys. I know Paul is probably the better grappler, definitely the more opportunistic grappler. But I think as the fight goes on, I think a lot of it will favor Brendan Allen. And then from there, it's going to be real interesting to see what he does on the microphone. It's going to be really interesting. Who's he Who's he going to call for? Is he going to be realistic? Is he going to be like his buddy Blah Muhammad and just be like, I want the title shot, which would be just awful. But what he should do is call for Marvin Vittori. Like that's exactly what he should be calling for. He goes and beats Paul Craig. He should be calling for Marvin Vittori. Realistic fight, a fight he could get. He can call for Hamzat, but I don't think Hamzat touched that fight with 10-foot pole. He can fight Jack Hermanson. I don't know if anyone's really clamoring for that one. Maybe he goes for Cannonir again. I don't know. But I like the Vittori call it. I think that's like a good. That's a good one. Go for Vittori. Maybe go for Paulo Costa. That's not a bad one. If they don't do Shemayev Costa. But winning the fight is not going to be enough for Brennan Allen. It's what he does on the microphone. If he, if he has a good promo and a realistic callout, it's going to be a really good night for him. I just, there is a part of me that's like, Brennan's going to have a, a great performance. He's going to probably finish Paul Craig, and then he's going to make a call, and I'm just going to be like, oh, why? But we'll see. I like Brennan a lot, though uh cv go ahead hey mike kick up a
5: morning um yeah uh great ranking show um i think you guys should do that um uh, what would you call it like a trial or a case or a judge format uh pretty pretty fun listen um just two quick things for me um first off um what are your thoughts on the um, um ufc shanghai being relocated to the apex uh kind of think that's a blessing in disguise uh just because um so they can hold like a proper like a. Uh, return to shine uh, a uh, China show for next year um like personally I think like Whaley Li should be headlining uh, a China show and song Yedong is cool and all but uh, he's more more of like a, a co main event guy if you ask me um second thing is um I remember last week um during the 295 broadcast forgot who tweeted it but um they did mention that um so a that, that was on November 11th and that was apparently like um, that marked like the 30th um anniversary of the UFC and um, it, it was kind of weird that, like, nobody mentioned it at all during the broadcast. I kind of agree with that. And um, super random. But, like, um, yeah, they, they could be doing more with the 30th, 30th anniversary um, promotion and stuff. Um, like, I remember, like, I forgot when this picture was taken. But do you remember, um, like, a long time ago, all the champions had, like, um, had like a picture together. Like, you had Frankie Edgar there, Dominic Rea, um, Dominic Cruz, uh, Aldo, and... And all those fighters and uh, i don't know man would it be kind of cool to have like all the all like the current champions like have like a picture right now um just to com- commemorate the 30th uh, anniversary um, that's it for me thanks
2: they could have done a lot more they could have done a lot more and not even with the current fighters like i'm not even talking about that they should have done a lot with past fighters like That's great. You have a round table with the UFC one guys on UFC fight pass, which like 11 people have right now, but that's not what we're talking about. Like they should have done like, and I know they had shows of like, here are the 30 greatest fighters of all time. That's great. That's on fight pass. What they should have done is they should have taken those 30 that they ranked and they should have brought them all out individually during the fucking broadcast. Like that's what you should have done. Didn't have to be this whole ordeal. But just bring them out. Like, the beginning of the card, just bring them all out. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute thing. Just be like, here are the top 30. And just, like, real quick, just bring each of them out. Boom, 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 boom. And then make a big deal out of, like, the top five. Like, that's what you should have done. But just, like, ignoring them, ignoring that rankings list and just chucking it on Fight Pass, craziness. Instead of like the Donald Trump, Kid Rock, Dana White entrance in MSG, like we could have started the 30th anniversary ceremony. That wouldn't have been a bad idea. But at the same token, to play devil's advocate, none of it matters. They are just—they're winning the game. They're crushing it. They're printing money. They brought a mid-level MSG card, which is great for us. The hardcore fans delight to MSG and still pulled a thirteen million dollar gate. Like, they just... They can't fail. They can't fail. I mean, the lawsuit could be an epic failure if that goes through. But currently, like, they can't lose. So they don't have to do that stuff. I really wish they did more. I really do. I really do. I really wish they made a a bigger deal out of it. I mean, 30 years... It's a friggin' big deal. Like, MSG... Would have been like really poetic too. It was like the hardest place for them to get into. The place they wanted to go from Jump Street. They finally got there, and now like they're holding their sixth or seventh event like on the 30th anniversary. By the time like the two title fights happened, it was the 30th anniversary, November 12th, 1993 was UFC one. I really wish they did something more to sort of give back to the fighters that got them there, but. I ain't Dana. I ain't running the UFC and not my choice to make, but I would have liked to have seen them do a little bit more if we're being honest. Uh, The ranking show was super fun, by the way. It was a lot of fun. Judge AK Lee nailed it. Uh, And apologies for the frosty language that I let loose multiple times. Because you can't put me in those settings. You just can't. You just can't. Not great things will happen. But, all right, we're done. Uh, thank you all very much. Great questions, as always. We will come back tomorrow, and we we'll do this all over again at right around 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time, free-for-all Friday. I'm not sure if we'll have right, the weigh-in results for UFC Vegas 82. Maybe the, the weigh-ins will be ongoing as we're live. And that's always a fun treat. It is an early card on Saturday. Get you ready for Bellator 301. Maybe the last Bellator card ever. And we'll have a lot to talk about. Don't miss BTL. Uh, a little over an hour from right now, if you're listening live, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, Jed Mishu versus Randy Costa, who had a big win six days ago uh, against Jason Knight at Game Bread Bare Knuckle. Dude is a friggin' savage. And I think he might be the face of this new sport if we're being honest, but we shall see. But thank you all very much. See you tomorrow. 10.15 a.m. Eastern. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Have a heck of a morning as well.
4: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.